Welcome to Nerdables. I'm Rich Rain. Along with me, as always, Chris Kohler. And joining us this week is independent filmmaker Ethan Benjamin. This week, I thought we'd talk about the new big summer movies. But before we start, let's talk about some newsworthy items to mention. James Robinson leaves DC Comics. And supposedly, he's leaving after his uh, Earth 2 number 16, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he is just, what, one of, I guess we were talking about the other night, one of many that have just exited DC lately? Well, we came up with seven off the top of our head. Uh, Chris Roberson, Rob Liefeld, Joshua Hale, Filikov, Grant Morrison, Andy Diggle, uh, Greg Rucka, who I don't think was actually writing for DC at the time, but did state that he wouldn't write for DC or Marvel anymore. Um, <laughs> and James He's just Robinson, done with everybody. Yeah, just done with the, the, big, <laughs> the big two. two. He's doing like his it. own independent book called Lazarus, which I think starts next month. Yeah, that actually looks pretty good. I was looking at the previews on uh, online. Actually made me interested in one and pick it up, which is weird for me. It's very weird for you. I know. Pick up a comic book? Wow. Exactly, right? Uh, except for Morrison, all the names mentioned really have left under um, – controversial circumstances Morrison may have as well I didn't hear as much about his it didn't sound like it was uh, something where he had a problem with management where Roberson said that he wouldn't work for DC anymore because he felt it was unethical Uh, Rob Liefeld obviously lots of conflicts with management with editorial Uh, Filikov conflicts with management Andy Diggle who felt that his action comics run was being changed too much and um, Robinson, really, nothing's been said yet. He hasn't really said anything yet. He did wish DC, uh, DC higher ups, all the best, but just you know, it was a, a quick departure. And as far as we know, there were plans for Robinson to do Earth Two for a while. So yeah, it was un- it was really seemed to be unexpected because he was. I think at one point they were talking about with him combining the two Earths or m- them meeting or. Yeah, I think Earth 2 was supposed to come into Earth 1 at some point, or at least some characters would would learn of the existence of the other one more than just uh, uh, the world's finest team being on, quote-unquote, our Earth. Right. Um, Going back to Filikov, Filikov was the one who left uh, after editorial wanted Green and Lantern Jon Stewart to die in his (laughs) first story. Yeah, but... What is, I mean, what's it seem like that since the new Fifty Two is there is this mass exodus almost? What's well, the from a personal point of view of following the reasoning that they're leaving um, versus the idea that we don't hear a lot of this outside of Marvel is that DC is attempting to make itself an editorially driven company. I mean, not even a sense of a of an executive decision to go in one direction or the other, but editors themselves um, trying to shape the books, trying to suggest storylines, start storylines, do their own pitches, uh, that sort of thing. Almost every single one of these, Chris Roberson, the whole company, Liefeld, editorial, Filikoff, editorial, Andy Diggle, editorial. Again, we don't know with James Robinson, but, you know, at this point, it, it's an educated guess to say it's editorial. Right. And we don't hear this sort of thing coming out of Marvel. What Marvel seems to say is the editors are just there to make sure that you don't screw it up. That the creators are 
are the ones pushing the ideas where DC seems to be that outside of a, a, a rogue few, someone like Morrison or Batman writer, Scott Snyder or um, Gail Simone, who was fired from her Batgirl book at one point, but was given a reprieve thanks to uh, outpouring of fan support and online. It doesn't seem that, uh, well, obviously Jeff Johns can pick his own stories too. Sure. Um, helps when you're a creative COO, right? <laughs> uh, just a little, right? It nope. just, it, it doesn't seem to be that writers are coming to editorial with stories. It's editorial is trying to find the writer to write their story. And it reminds me a lot of the criticism of the nineties when a lot of people say that there's a, there's a creative low point in comics in big two comics in the nineties where editors were really trying to push their own stories and trying to find writers to, to fill in the blank sort of thing rather than having the writer come to the editor and say, I've got an idea, you know, I want to do this with character a and I want to get to this ending. You know, how do I make this work? And the editor's job is to say, okay, let's figure out how this works within the parameters of a bigger general sensibility. I mean, obviously you can't radically change the character of Batman, right? but you also have to be able to tell an interesting story with that character. Um, is this like hurting the stories more on the, on those comic books? Like having someone just say, Hey, I have an idea. Here's my idea. Now you figure it out rather. Well, it depends than... on the talent who's coming with, up with the idea. Well, see, I know I was reading the other day that, Warner Brothers went through a big changeover where they weren't – they'd gone through it where they were saying, okay, DC is going to pretty much run themselves. But then when they went through this change in their, their upper management, they got more hands-on, and they actually were very instrumental in the new 52. And they've tried to get away from that, but they're trying to – I don't know if they're, they're trying to, to be more heavy-handed because they want to keep up with Marvel or – or try to expand, you know, the the brand the way Marvel's been doing lately. But could be that they're just trying stuff, new stuff, right now to see what works and what doesn't. But in doing well, so, they've every... taken it out of the creator's hands, and now they're being very heavy-handed in what is being published. Every comic book company is trying to sell new stuff. I mean, that's the the idea of the long-running series is is gone. It just doesn't exist anymore because mm -hmm. people are always looking for a new start, are always looking for a new entry point. Right. I think it's worth noting that the president of DC Comics is not a comic book person. Right. It's a person from be, Warner Film. Yeah, that could um, be a big problem too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's an executive mentality where mm -hmm. the head of Marvel Comics is a comic person mm -hmm. in Joe Quesada. Um, there are other be what we would consider like bureaucratic people that are at the head of Marvel, but they seem to do a very good job of getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. Just don't lose any money. DC's mandate seemed to be for a while. To, well, that's the thing is when you're a part of a bigger company, you don't have to be as, you know, DC's on its own. It has to be massively successful because it has to pay all these people. Of course. The feeling is with DC as a part of the Time Warner conglomerate is just don't lose any money. Don't lose a ton of money. If you lose a little bit, we can cover it, but don't lose a lot of money. And while they may not be losing money, who knows if they're actually making money? Their right. their numbers are down through Diamond, but more than anything, it's <laughs> it's the boots on the ground. As I'm watching people leave 
a, a large number of these titles, the buzz is gone. There's still mm-hmm. Batman, but even then, after the recent death of the death of the family story, um, we'll see what happens when Year Zero comes in. But there isn't a buzz around a single DC book that I could really point to. And well, with like- with the the cancellation of um, Dial H, every title that was released in a, a new wave after the initial fifty two, except for World's Finest. Earth 2, and the recently started Constantine, the movement, and the green team that's coming up have all been canceled. So everything new that they've tried have all gone by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, well, I think they're just... struggling to find another hit. And Marvel, in terms of buzz, in terms of, I think, personal preference, not my personal preference, but from customers that I'm seeing, and for those of you who don't know, I do work in a comic shop. So I'm talking about wait, customers no I way. actually see. You never know. Every, every podcast could be somebody's That's first true. podcast. That's so very they, true. they may not know whether. Um, and I realize as I'm saying customers, it's like, well, does he spend all of his time in a comic shop? Yes, but I'm getting paid for it, I swear. You're the guy that just answered um, the racks just all the time. The random day. guy sitting um, in the corner. You know, the, I'm the comic book rat. <laughs> uh, in terms of the, the, the customer preference, in terms of what people are talking about, it's it's Marvel. It's it's Bendis's X-Men, it's Remender's Uncanny Avengers, it's uh, Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers, Superior Spider-Man. The, the books, even the smaller books, you get books like Avengers Arena or Secret Avengers. Um, even Daredevil would be considered a smaller book now. It wasn't relaunched with the Marvel Now. but right. So they, those are still... There's more people talking about that than there's talking about Justice League or Justice League Dark or Wonder Woman or... Or any of the titles that, that DC has been able to do. But do you think that has a lot to do with the fact that Marvel's just out there in people's faces a lot more with the movies, with television shows? You know, it, it seems to be that Marvel is on everybody's lips as far as, you know, across media type company. Whereas DC has struggled with films, their TV shows, have, you know, all their cartoons lately have been canceled. In, in terms of a general sense, yes, but that has nothing to do with comics. True. When, in talking strictly about comics, it doesn't matter whether Iron Man 3 or Superman Man of Steel is going to be the number one movie of the summer. That's not going to affect Iron Man or Superman sales or any other DC or Marvel sales at all. No, and I don't, I don't but mean that. That's what I'm saying. It, is, well, if it, it does, has it's... nothing to do with exposure outside of what's on the rack, what's being talked about in the rack what customers are saying, what fans are saying, what's being said online, what even employees are saying. You know, Between the associates in our store, we all read more independent and Marvel titles than we do with DC. Sure. At this point with DC, I, I can't even tell you off the top of my head. I, I know mean, it's, it's less than – I know it's less than 10. I would think – nothing new that I've tried I've enjoyed. So. Well, see, I, with the new 52, I started out with 33 titles, and I'm down to – I think I have no idea how you started five. with 33 titles. Yeah, I, I started within. <laughs> I the started first... with 22, and within I want to say it's five months. I slashed that in half. Yeah, I was gonna say within five. So I didn't. Months. I didn't get to issue five of 11 of the titles I, I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten particular issues here and there. I picked up some stuff for Death of the Family. I picked up some of the Zero issues that looked interesting. But in terms of following a book, um, uh. You know, even like the recent JLA, Justice League of America, right? I gave it two issues, and I didn't particularly enjoy either of them. 
and I buy a lot of Marvel and I say, well, I've got to cut something, but I'm always cutting the DC stuff rather than Marvel. There's the, the, the quote unquote worst ones of Marvel are still ones that I'm not willing to give up on a month to month basis. So. I think JLA made it to four or five, but here's the thing though. Well, We're, Justice League JLA hasn't reached even three yet. So. Or, uh, yeah, Justice League, sorry. Um, here's the thing though. With talking about being out there and being more, you know, the movie industry, you know, kind of impacting, not necessarily impacting the comic book sales, but do you think that Warner Brothers is seeing what Marvel's doing, and that's why they're being a little bit more heavy-handed with, you know, the, the success Marvel's having with their films and everything else, and trying to be more heavy-handed with DC to try to get to that point with Marvel. But it, it doesn't make any sense because it's not the way Marvel does it. You're not following the Marvel way if you're not following the Marvel way. It would be like looking at someone who bakes a cake with sugar, flour, and pineapple and saying, I'm going to make the same exact cake, but I'm going to use brown sugar, and I'm going to use a different type of flour, and I'm going to use coconut. You're going to get the same thing. You're going to produce a cake or you're going to produce a comic, but you're not producing them anywhere near the same way. Right, but that's one reason why you may be, we may be seeing that mass exodus, though. Or not, I shouldn't say mass exodus. We've, had, you know, we've counted seven. That's pretty in a short in that short amount of time in less than a year, um, about a it's about a year. Yeah, about a year because Rob, Robertson left right around the same time as before Watchmen started. Yeah, and that that's a pretty big ex. You hadn't seen that since Image, seeing seven writers or artists leaving a company in such a short amount of time. I mean, and these aren't these aren't just and it small time writers. Yeah, it's been. not someone that's like, "Oh, I wrote a couple of issues of Cable and X-Force as fill-ins and now I can't find work." Right, these are guys these are that have been around, yeah. around for a long time. Big books. Vilikoff is take, was taking over for Jeff Johns for Green Lantern Corps. He's gone. Andy Diggle was taking over for Morrison in Action Comics. He wrote one issue. James Robinson is you know, an industry legend with some really great books and a really terrible Justice League run. Um, Greg Ruck is a big name. Chris Roberson was a was a big name. Rob right. Liefeld, unfortunately, is a big name. So, sorry, <laughs> personal bias. I'm, yes, I'm not a big name. I don't appreciate the non-talents of Rob Liefeld. Um, Especially when he had all the books, you know, in the beginning of the DC New 52 and then... No, he had one book at the beginning of the That's DC right, New 52 one book. And, then, and then they canceled they that canceled and gave him gave three more. more. That's There's the root of the problem. DC sucks at math. Well, if one book is canceled because someone is terrible on it, let's give him three and see what happens. Well, it just sounds like they're looking at it as, you know, like you said earlier, on a corporate standpoint rather than content. You know, it's going on the fact of like how much money we can make out of these without... You know, really focusing on how, but the what thing they're with putting it out is is I think Marvel has proven through, through and through. I mean, one of the problems with the '90s, one of the criticisms of the '90s as fans is that non-quality work was successful. Mm-hmm. You were putting out really bad, crappy titles. You were yeah. putting slapping a, a foil cover on it, and you could put you know John Mud and this guy draws like a baboon, and people were buying it in the hundreds and. You know, people were buying five, six, seven copies of this stuff because they thought they were collectible. Spider-Man that doesn't exist saga? anymore. What Marvel is showing is that quality comics, what Independent is showing, Saga, Jupiter's Legacy, Manhattan Projects, uh, J. Michael Straczynski's 10 grand, quality will sell if you make good quality comics. Well, the number also... one book at DC is Batman. It's the really the only book I can think of offhand that gets a decent critical acclaim from the start to the finish. You have books like Animal Man and Swamp Thing that kind of 
give a little bit of a, of right. a hem and haw, especially because the rot world seemed to be a, a huge mistake. I know a lot of people that jumped off at that point. That Marvel is I saying quality, quality will sell. It's not the 90s anymore. If you make a good book, people will find it and people will buy it. DC seems incapable of making more than a handful of good books. Now, there are people who, who are fans of books that I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's more quality books than the stuff that I'm reading. But in terms of an, an overall sense, there just doesn't seem to be quality there. You don't cancel that many books that quickly and not relaunch them. Marvel cancels a lot of books to relaunch them simply because they want a new number one. Mm-hmm. These guys are canceling books and not starting over on any of them. Um, well, they just don't see And they seem that it doesn't work, so they don't feel like they want to relaunch yeah. them maybe because it's not going to make them money. Which is the right choice, but you're sort of running out of ideas. I mean, mm-hmm. it may not be canceling. You need to find quality people. We talked about this all the time with with Superman. You know, why does Superman not sell? Why does Superman... It's because you have the wrong creators on it. When you get Grant Morrison to do it, it sells. Oh, yeah. When you get somebody who can give an interesting taste to take to Superman, it'll sell. When you get somebody... Scott Snyder and Jim Lee are doing a Superman book. I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to be the number one book for that month, by far. Because you're putting quality people on that kind of book. If you don't get quality people to do your books, it just isn't going to happen. Green Arrow. Green Arrow started off, uh, was just relaunched with um, uh, a new creative team. Not relaunched, but they got a new creative team. And it's been picking up some steam because the book was not very good beforehand. And now that there's a new team on there, it's an interesting book. It's an interesting take and people are buying it. Quality will sell. And But doesn't it seem like a lot of times with DC... You're putting that quality in just to a, into a couple books or a couple, you know, like the into the Bat Family. Well, they're tr- they're You're having trouble a- finding quality. We talk about this too. How many how many writers would you consider a superstar at, at at DC? You've got Jeff Johns, Scott Snyder, and at this point maybe Jeff Lemire because now everybody else has left. Um, Brian Azzarello does Wonder Woman, okay, but that's the only sure. book they can get him to do in the larger New Fifty Two. When you turn to Marvel. I think you see a lot of you see Bendis, you see Fraction, um, uh, Remender. Um, I'm missing somebody all of a sudden. Hickman. Hickman, thank you. How did I forget Jonathan Hickman? He's one of my favorite writers. <laughs> so you have guys who yeah, are. Mark Wade is there as well. You have guys who are lauded for their creative output, and they're at Marvel. They're not at DC. DC can't seem to find these guys or build these guys and a lot of these guys started or, or made a name for themselves at marvel that's the difference is it's not like they hired these guys from another company hickman was doing independent books comes over and does marvel explodes remender's doing his own thing he's doing independent books he's doing dark horse books comes to marvel his name explodes fraction same thing bendis same you know bendis was working for image for a little bit but Marvel cultivates its talent. It makes its writers into superstars. DC doesn't. They have very few. Snyder did, Snyder's done it, but James Robinson made his name well, before he was a part of DC for the most part. I mean, he made his at least for me, I think he made the biggest name with with Starman. And there's there's an example. He did a book where he enjoyed what he did. DC told him we're going to leave you alone. We'll hire your artist. Go do what you want to do. And it worked. Starman is considered one of the, the better runs of the recent past. So 
But I think you kind of just hit on it there. You, you said cultivate. I think right there is is probably the key word to it. Where you know Marvel will cultivate their their writers, their creators, and they'll listen to them and they'll find out what's working, what's not working, because they are comic book fans, and they want to make sure they're putting out the best product. Whereas you realize DC, who does that? Editors. Right. That if you don't have good editors, you won't cultivate good talent. And yeah, and that seems from, what the problem is. From with the DC. very beginning, I've said the problem with DC is they have terrible editorial. They have absolutely horrible editorial right on, you know, that that first set of ed the editor of that book. There's an editor, an assistant editor, and a writer. And then there's usually an associate editor that does the group of books or whatever. Right. That editor of each individual title is not working because these problems seem to all stem from editorial. They're problems with continuity. They're problems with... Uh, not being able to keep this new timeline intact. The problems with, you know, a character appearing in one spot when it should have been appearing in another spot or whatever. That's all editorial not talking to each other. That's all editors not picking up the phone and saying, I've got Superman in space in action 22. <laughs> Where is he? he? Yeah, what is, yeah, what is he doing in Justice League? Let's, let's, you know, let's explain this one way or the other. Those types of problems to me I don't, I don't really care about. But it's more of the idea of saying, Jason Todd was never Robin in Red Hood and the Outlaws, but in Batman, he's definitely a Robin. Right. That it's an example. It's not a true example. I, I can't think of the one that I was thinking of beforehand. But that's the type of thing that you're seeing where the history isn't consistent between books because editors aren't picking up the phone and talking. Well, and to that's each other. where you definitely see Marvel has a and writers aren't talking to each other either. Marvel has this nice co cohesive unit universe that you know they if if Wolverine and if Wolverine and the X-Men has Wolverine in the Savage Land, you know, you're not going to all of a sudden have him on a battleship fighting the Kree in Avengers. See, that's where I, I think actually the opposite is true. Marvel doesn't care. Marvel lets that story be that story. If he's in the Savage Land with Wolverine and the X-Men, he's in a mall fighting some mutant enemy in Wolverine. He's in the Savage Land on a completely different mission in Savage, uh, Savage Wolverine, and... He's flying around with Havoc and his team in Uncanny Avengers. Right. For the fan that sits there and says, how can he be doing all of this? Marvel's looking at them saying, who cares? Right. It's, Do you like the story? In... Yes. It, it, it can't be massively inconsistent. He doesn't die at the end of any of the stories. Right. But it, it's all just it, – it, it, uh, they, they deal with a sliding time scale. It's the same thing as their origins. It's a sliding time scale. You change Tony Stark's origin. You tweak it. He's in, he's in the desert instead of sure. Southeast Asia. Um, Marvel does this very well where they just say, look, if you like the story, you like the story. We're not going to... Again, the editor is there to make sure that they don't screw it up. Right. The editor is there to make sure that Paul Cornell, who's writing the regular Wolverine book, doesn't kill him at the end of the first arc mm -hmm. so that when you're reading Wolverine and the X-Men by uh, Rick Remender, you're going, hey, wait, didn't Wolverine just die? Right. And even if he does, Jason Aaron sent him to hell three years ago, and he's still on every X team in existence. <laughs> it's just a different time frame. And that's where I think Marvel excels is that they take the, the, the little minutia, the little things that, let's face it, fanboys are criticized of, that super fans are criticized of, and they just say, you know what? We're not going to worry about it. Right. You guys can worry about it all you want, but we're not going to worry about it. And so the guy who comes in who doesn't care about that and just wants to buy six or seven different books – and, hey, yeah, they're all Wolverine. Who cares? DC does this with Batman. Right. The, the sticking point in Batman is Damien's dead. Right. That's it. Yes. You can be reading Detective Comics 
And yeah, Damien's dead, but he's working on a completely different case than he is in the Batman and books where he's going nuts. Right. Or, in or even in Batman the, the main Inc. Batman book. Batman Inc., nothing until Damien's death affected any other Batman book. Right. Even though what was going on was huge. Right. It dealt with something that you would think at some point Alfred in the regular Batman book would turn around like, hey, you know, this Leviathan thing kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But they don't – it doesn't matter. It's here. Morrison, go tell your story, and we'll figure it out afterwards. Marvel well, does that very well. DC doesn't seem to. But see, DC did it really well with Batman. But they don't do it, They don't carry that over to the rest of – I mean, you know, the Batman it, – it's, it's almost like the Bat family of books is – okay – we're, they're over, you know. I'm using my hands, obviously, so you can't see it. They're on another shelf that's completely separate from the rest of DC. You know, that th- that's where. Okay, you guys can do what you want. You know, you can have your individual books, but hey, you know, if something does happen to affect that happens in one book that would affect all of them, you know, they do tie them together. Like Requiem you, you, tied it all together for that what one two issues. And at some points, DC gets it right because you give them their choices. Wonder Woman and, and Superman are in a relationship at the moment. Although that relationship is paramount to the, the Justice League title, the Superman title addresses it to a certain degree. It doesn't make it a huge thing, but it does address it. The right. fact that he's not dating Lois, he's dating Wonder Woman. Read Wonder Woman. Superman ain't in it. Right. At all. It, there's no mention of it. One issue, I believe he, he might have been. Yeah, but it, it's 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 not a huge part of it. It doesn't matter to Brian Azzarello that Superman and Wonder Woman are an item. It's simply Azarella gets to write what he wants to write. And if something that happens in another book is something that you can use, fantastic. If you can't, make a quick mention of it and get out of the way. So there are some instances of them getting it right. I don't think that's the major problem at DC. I think the major problem with DC is the way that they handle talent, the way that they treat talent. Um, it just seems like, the you know, the talent's basically employees and you, you will find another one, whereas Marvel, it's more of, hey, you know what? You're part of our family. You're part of, you know, you're just as much as... Uh, it's not to say that, yeah, everything at Marvel is kumbaya and everything, oh, but sure they treat not. their writers as architects. Well, their major seems... events are, if you look over the last couple of years, their major events are no longer written by one person. Mark right. Miller wrote Civil War, but Bendis wrote Siege. But when you get to Fear Itself, there's four different writers. When right. you get to Avengers versus X-Men, there's a couple of different writers. Um, there were like six right there. Uh, Avengers X Men, I think, was four. Was it four? I think it was Aaron Fraction, Bendis, and um, Hickman. Hickman. Um, I mean, it seems like just by the way that you guys are talking, the way that DC is running things is the way you know that somebody who doesn't know anything about the business that they're running, and, and the way that you're talking about the, how the the uh, CEO DS in DC, I don't know who, well, how to word this right, but it just seems like he doesn't care. About she, comic books, or she. I wouldn't say it's so much as they, versus, they don't know how or they don't care. As they're trying to run too. it as non as non comic book company. She's right. Try, she's trying Whereas to run DC Marvel, as if it's a Marvel as if it's a studio. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The that's kind of exactly. heavy handed stuff that's there is the type of stuff that you see in a exactly. studio environment, and in a film, TV, you know, filmed entertainment product. So far, that's worked to a certain degree. They're still successful all over the place. Whatever. Yeah. Well, but, but I don't you, you think do she does though, when you but, when you bring. When you bring something on the level of written entertainment, where there's, very, you know, a movie takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to make. A right. big blockbuster makes hundreds. Mm-hmm. Of, it can literally take three people to make a comic a writer, an mm-hmm. artist, 
and a care. letterer. Yeah. They can ink well, your you own can, stuff. Yeah, That's it. If you want to get stuff. bare bones, you get somebody mm-hmm. who can write letters. Stan Sakai draws Yusagi Yojimbo, and he could do everything except he doesn't letter. He has right. uh, Sergio Argonis letter. That's it. Two people make that comic. That is it. Well, There's an editor, good. but it's... let me tell you, the editor does not tell Stan Sakai what to do. Well, as and you get with, quality product all the as time. As we've seen with Lady Mechanica, sometimes it's not really good when the writer, creator, artist is doing it all There by always themselves. has to be an editor. Every, not every, a lot of creators that I've had the opportunity to speak to in any way, shape, or form about editorial is writers say that they need editors. Because if it was up to them, yes, at some point Wolverine would die. If it was up to them, Batman would be a degenerate. Right. There is a boundary to characters that, let's face it, are owned by corporate entities. They're owned by something bigger than themselves. If you want to do Batman as a degenerate, you go do Nemesis or, or whatever that title was where you know Batman was the bad guy. The the archetype of Batman was the oh, bad right, guy. Right. Authority. Basically, authority was based, was what if we take the Avengers and make them into something that's a little bit more heavy-handed? You can go do that somewhere else. You're never going to do Avengers like Authority. Well, maybe you will because Authority changed a lot of stuff. <laughs> and some of the Avengers titles afterwards. The Ultimate, basically. The Ultimate it was Miller's take on the Authority. Um, but... You can do it though, but sometimes you you either have to do it as an alternate universe, or everything has to revert back yeah. as soon as your run's done. But th- that's the thing: is editorials there to make sure that you don't go off the rails, right. and it is also accountability, and it's you know your script is due at this time and that sort of thing, and who knows how well that works one way or the other. But the idea you need an editor; it's not a great idea. You know, you can't just fire the editors and let the writers just. Well, yeah. Kind of run wild. No, definitely because well, with like anything that. you do, I mean, any, you know, any p- type of but they have to be good, right? Any type of publication, you know, they always say you can't edit your own work. You'll miss things, though things that you know that you'll see as a you, know, you think are really cool as a creator, but excuse me, but an editor is there to make sure everything falls into one single line to get the story from beginning to end, where you know. Well, yeah, it's like in, they're a necessity. Even you writing a script, for example, you know, like if you write your script the whole way through, and you may read it and think it's awesome, but you need someone to look it over to make sure that when you were writing it at three o'clock in the morning, like I do most of the time, it's not like a bunch of gibberish is happening, you know? Right. And when, when you're writing a story, there's a lot more of the story that's in your head than what you actually get out on the paper. That and the too, editor's yeah. job is to make sure that whatever you're trying to say in that script, that story, makes sense. <laughs> is all there. Yeah. And you're not explaining to somebody, no, wait, 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 no. He's supposed to actually go in there and kill that person. Well, you don't have it written down here. Exactly. <laughs> so, so okay, we've been talking about Rob Liefeld. What do you think about his Kickstarter campaign? I mean, he's I, I, last time I looked at it, he has 204 backers, and he's made uh, $9,500 of his 1700 goal. 17000 17000 goal, thank you. Mm-hmm. But... I think I have this weird thing about Kickstarter. It, I, I think it's very good for independent, you know, coming up filmmakers, you know, people that have their product, they want to get their things out there. For people that are established, you know, we saw the same thing with, with Zachary Braff. It, or Zach Braff. It, you know, Zachary? Zachary. Zach Braff. Yeah, I know. Well, no, I don't I, think his mother calls him Zachary. Zachary you know. <laughs> At this point, somebody Maybe should. Grandma. Somebody should reprimand him. But anyways, what I'm saying is, it just seems like Kickstarter is becoming this easy outlet for people to get the fans to give them money. 
you know, that's, instead I mean, of going out and doing the work themselves. What I think about it is this guy is trying to start his own comic book. And by what I was looking at the Kickstarter, it looks like he's trying to create his own series. And yeah, he may be established and whatnot, but this is something that he's trying to fund himself fully. So he doesn't want to go through maybe the deals of like having to find someone to do it for him. Here's the thing. He's already done this book and he did it under his own studio and he paid for it beforehand. What Kickstarter is has now become is we want to guarantee that we're not going to lose any money. Right. That's it. That's what it is. I want to make Brigade and I want to make sure that I have enough money to make it and that I have enough people buying the book that it can be successful for the four months that I'll probably do it. I want to know right now if that I'm not, I don't want to put any work into this until I know it's guaranteed. That's what Kickstarter's become. Kickstarter is I'm not going to lose any money anymore. Liefeld has enough money and enough people, and he still owns his studio and on, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Well, no, I didn't know that he already he right. already but made the series. He so. had he had Extreme Studios when he left Image or was forced out of Image or whatever right. you want to mm-hmm. believe, and he produced comics. Now that when you produce a comic like that, you have to do the work for it to get it into diamond or the distribution company and then sell it. And if your comic doesn't sell, you're screwed. Kickstarter is a way to say, all right, I already have $17,500. That's exactly what I need to produce X amount of copies of issue one through four. They're all paid for. Now I can do it. I'm not going to lose any money. There's no risk. Right. That's what this type of stuff is. Zach Mm -hmm. Braff could make his own movie. He could go get a producer yeah. to do it. Right. And he can find instead, the financing. And... He can now go to a producer and say, this movie's already, you don't have to put any money into it. It's going to be fine. I've already got two, yeah. $2.6 million. There's the, <laughs> Frank Tro and Bill Willingham are apparently trying to do a Kickstarter campaign. And if you look at the rewards for it, it's hilarious. Really? It's like $5,000. You get a signature. You don't get the book. You just you get, get like signature? a signed poster or something like that. <laughs> we were looking at it at work and, it, and it, it's insane. Like, um, I guess uh, Gutters decided to do a, a, a parody comic on it. Nice. Just for the, the reward sort of thing. But, you know, we saw this with Cyberforce. Mark Silvestri could have come out with Cyberforce, and he just doesn't know if anyone's going to buy it or not. So let's get it paid for first. And while it's great if you and I decide, yeah, we're going to make a, <laughs> a podcast, want to donate some money so we don't lose any money. <laughs> Um, Gee, where is it? I think be a that's great different idea. than when you think have they can donate at nerdables.com. If they? we can get, there, there's no risk in this, right? And that's part of the problem, I think, or part of the backlash is is now everyone saying, you know, you want us to put up all the risk because you can put however many dollars you want mm-hmm. towards brigade, and there's no guarantee it's going to be good, right? So you're risking your money to get something that you don't enjoy. Which you're doing with every single form of entertainment. But in this case, if you're a fan of Brigade, you know, of Liefeld, and you're going to put money towards the Kickstarter campaign, and you're going to, I think, I think one of the things he had on there was you'll get a copy of issue one. Okay, so you've already helped finance this book. You're going to get a free copy, which you've already just paid for. Well, it's not free, yeah. But, <laughs> but you're also going to have to pay for all the other issues, you know, that Brigade is going to have. So Which you I, you now have financed the whole book, and now you're still paying more on top of that. Well, the thing is, if, if the book is produced, if, if that book is produced, it's three ninety nine, at a, 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 your local comic book store, right? Or not so local comic book store, depending on you want, depending on where you're living. How what is the minimum donation? It's probably I think like a dollar. Five dollars. Is it? 
So there you go. It's five bucks. You're paying more than you would have paid for that book if they had produced it themselves and put it on the rack. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's only a dollar, but still. Um, but is we this... talked about this with Cyberforce. Mark Silvestri used the Kickstarter campaign for Cyberforce to release the first four issues as free to customers. And by the way, that's not free to shops, but it was free to customers. He got enough money from it that he could offer it to shops fairly, you know, fairly cheap. But it was his idea to say, we're going to offer, you know, you get it for free. The shop's going to have to pay for it, but you get it for free. If you're a fan that's paying for that book, if you're donating $10 or $5 or $7 or whatever, you're not only paying for your book that's going to get mailed to you, but you're paying for somebody else to get the book for free. So for the Life Help Kickstarter, the minimum is $1, and you get thanked in the first issue. Um the oh god that looks horrible yeah the most you can pledge is ten thousand or more or more and you get the entire first issue of the original brigade um you get interior art pages and it looks like you get the you get the interior art plus pages. an individual cover of your choosing yeah you get if I'm reading that right you get the 22 original art pages from the 90s brigade number one right and if you're international if you're, pledging, you have to pay $25 on top of that to get it shipped If you're paying your... $10,000 for original Rob Liefeld art, your problems do not start with reading <laughs> comic books. $5,000. Original variant cover. One chance to secure the original variant wraparound cover art from Brigade Number 1. Wow. Just seems like he's asking way too much for $5, nothing special, to be honest. Well, how many backers does he have for... <laughs> what I want to know is, is who's... All these big ones are zero backers. Right. Well, of course. How many comic book fans do you think I have five thousand dollars sitting at home just to pay for? Even though, you know, the five hundred something. That's like... Well, that's a, does he have any? But he's got he's got two people that's already paid him one hundred and fifty dollars or more. That's that. Two hundred and fifty dollars between one hundred and fifty and two hundred and fifty dollars because it's or more, and then the next uh, and the rest of the two hundred and seven are one. Yeah, down. two backers. All new premium brigade cover produced exclusively for his premier art level art by Rob Liefeld and all new depiction of brigade in action. Premier edition cover looks extremely limited and available only to Kickstarter backers at this level. Includes all five variants signed by Rob Liefeld in the brigade print and PDF file for your digital platform. Wow. Your signed one should be CGC'd. I'll tell you that right now. Two backers at 100. I'm sorry, this is fascinating to me. Seven backers at a, a different hundred. One backer at seventy-five. Nine at seven. Why would you pay seventy-five dollars for this? This doesn't make any sense to me. Signed brigade hardcover. Do you really think the brigade hardcover would sell for seventy-five dollars? Certificate of authenticity signed and numbered by creator Rob, Rob Liefeld. For those fans who don't know, Rob Liefeld shows up at just about every single show on the West Coast, and he'll be happy to sign your books <laughs> for free. Forty eleven dollars for forty backers. Nineteen with at thirty. Twenty-seven at twenty-five. Twenty-five. I wouldn't pay twenty. Well, I, I might pay twenty-five bucks to support Jonathan Hickman, depending on what I'm doing. Fifteen at thirty-two. Ten. This is fascinating radio, I know. Talk about That's right. <laughs> Eighteen <laughs> backers at a dollar or more. Yeah, you know, I hate to sound like we're just completely bashing him and bashing you know his. I'm totally bashing him. I there's only one comic creator. Oh no, yeah, I mean, it's it comes down to the fact that you know we're we're talking about the discussion on these guys who have the money, obviously, to produce their projects, yet they're using Kickstarter to. Well, to get money, pledge ten dollars or more. An extreme swag bag of random comic books signed yeah. by Rob Liefeld. Extreme. <laughs> oh, this, uh, this, this is this is like Murderer's Row right here. A random assortment of signed comics featuring Prophet, Youngblood, Glory, Supreme, Bloodstrike, 
including at least one hard-to-find variant cover. If you know one, two, three, four, five, if you know all five of those characters, then you either work at a comic shop or you're a gigantic Rob Liefeld fan. Wow. Now see, but going back to the whole thing of Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarter using it as an outlet for creators. I want to see the guy that shows up at Comic Con with his portfolio, and the other guy that shows up at Comic Con with his scripts and everything, wanting to get seen and get published, that are actually very talented that are not getting the nod by you know the publishers to go on there and to produce a book and then that way you know you can see and some those of the are stuff. the those are the people that should be on kickstarter getting that's it. exactly what kickstarter yeah. should be the thing is with them with these guys is because they have such a big following they know for a fact if they go on a website like kickstarter that they can go ahead and get that money that they need right whereas well i don't know if they know for sure I mean, if you have, if I have people that have, like, let's say I I have a very successful comic book and I have tons of fans that are, yeah, right. I said hypothetically, let's say, you know, God forbid, I've just started reading comic books. It's sleeper (laughs) cell, right? Sleeper cell, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, it it comes down to that. If I had tons of people following my comic book, and then for for some reason I decided I want to do a new story, hey, I can go on Twitter and be like, hey, everybody, like my millions of followers. Follow my Kickstarter page to help me fund this. And people who are big fans of yours, no matter what it is, are probably going to donate money to you. It's just that. It's just like that. But it's like, why use Kickstarter? Okay. Bill Willingham, the creator of Fables, Frank Cho, who's a superstar artist. You said yes. you, you would think that they'd be able to get their money? Sure. Wrong. 353 backers, $23,553 pledged of a $30,000 goal. Funding unsuccessful ended May 19th. They had thirty but, days to do it, but so they, they still ha- how many what, be- how many people did they less they got seven thousand less less than seven thousand dollars, but they still didn't reach their goal. They didn't reach their goal, but they still are able to get the money in that way. No, but well, what I'm saying is is the idea that it's it's a guarantee isn't there. You know, it it depends on the project. It depends on your uh, incentives or whatever. Yeah, what but also, also how depends much- on with Kickstarter. One of the big things is it's how are you the person that created the Kickstarter campaign, getting it out there to the public, what, you know, your incentives do make a big difference to how, if you're going to get it or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Willingham and them, they, they could still get this thing made if they wanted to more than likely. They could probably do it out of their own pocket. Well, it looks like he's already written, he's already drawn some of the art for it. So it'll be there. Pledge a hundred dollars or more. You always see everything listed above. Plus a phone call from Bill Willingham. This will be a short call, no more than five minutes, limited to Canada and the continental United States. He won't call Hawaii or Alaska? <laughs> He'll call Canada, but he won't call Alaska? That I, always fu- I always find that funny, though. It was like if I if I got that phone call from somebody famous, I'd be like, hey, uh, how you doing? <laughs> you <laughs> receive almost everything what, above pl- or, or what plus you a phone for lunch call today? from Frank <laughs> <Joe>. <laughs> What are you going to yeah. talk to him about? Yeah, it? Exactly. You know? what you, you know, like, what, that conversation has to be the most boring thing in the world. Because actually, you know what it would probably end up being like? It, to be perfectly honest, it would be like a question and answer at the end of the panels at Comic-Con. Yeah, either that or oh, like sorry, some this, fan. This isn't art for it. This is art he did for other stuff. Mm-hmm. So Frank Cho hasn't drawn any of it. $300, $500. I don't know, but you know, one of the things with, with Zach Braff that he ended up doing was that he used this Kickstarter campaign to prove that there was an interest in his movie to get it greenlit. Well, that shouldn't and be... And then he used the 26, or 2.6 million 
to actually you know finance it. So now it's not coming out of in his pockets, and everything else that he gets is going to be yeah. Efficient. I mean, somebody like him being overly successful, successful in the things that he's done, he should be able to fund a movie project himself. For something like this, this is just like, hey, see what I can do. See how many people like me. See, you know, it's just like becoming. Well, it worked for Veronica Mars because it was never that movie would have never gotten made. Well, yeah, because the show's been canceled for so many years right. before then. And this was a Chris chance. Chris is making to... uh, some very awkward looking. Pledge five thousand dollars or more. Bill Willingham will travel to you, continental U.S. and Canada only, and write one chapter of the novel in your home store window or other sub- suitable venue agreed to by both parties. <laughs> no one in, in my this house. case, Bill will cover his own transportation and logging costs. This reward is limited. Went back. Wow. So uh, let me pay. Back, did anyone back? Well, uh, no, it they, doesn't matter. Now. They didn't get anything. Let me pay for you to come in to my house. And Let's just see, sit and last, write something. The last, back, the last amount that they got was 500 but not 750 <laughs> You receive everything listed above, plus you'll be thanked by name in the novel's acknowledgments. This will occur upon publication. Wow. <laughs> Some of these higher ones, good Lord. Did they? I, I just wonder, like, when they're writing these. Sorry, I'm way off track here. Yeah. If, if they're, <laughs> when they're writing these, do you really think that... They're actually going to do them? Yeah, like... $10,000 or more. Frank Cho and Bill Willingham will fly themselves out to your location and conduct an afternoon writing and illustrating storytelling class seminar for your students, Hollywood studio, writing group, art group, or any sort of group that you have. You provide the venue and we'll do the rest. Timing and reward will have to be worked out to fit into both schedules of parties involved. You'll also receive a bunch of other stuff. In there. That's probably what they would normally $10,000. You'll be written into the story and appear in the background of one of Frank's illustrations for the novel. And he just, specific, oh my God, though. he describes the part. Your part is this. When Finn and Fimble opened up their modest private hero agency in downtown Spokane, they had an open house reception. The food and drink set out for potential clients. Now there's one bum, you, oh good Lord. Who <laughs> so keeps, you get to pay to be a bum in their you get, Yeah, so there's the one background. bum, you, awesome. who keeps coming around the office looking for more free food. He or she can't seem to get it through his or her head that the free food was a one-time thing. Are you addled in your head? Is that why you keep coming by? Or are you just that cheap? This is offensive. Who knows? This is a like, comic what? relief moment reserved for one among those backers who's able to laugh at oneself. Do it. Be the bum. You know you want to. Wow. Holy why would I pay for that? I, I mean, like, I wouldn't pay for that. I know that. But wow. I was like, why would anybody pay I'd for I'd rather that? be the villain than... A bum? If you're paying well, that much no, money, that would I would love to be... You're not even just a bum. You're a stupid bum. <laughs> Are you addled in your head? Is that why you keep coming by? Are you just cheap? You can't figure it out that it's a one... That, <clears> oh, my goodness gracious. That's... Yeah. So, does this mean you're going to stop reading fables? No, but <laughs> but when you see him at the next con or something, you're going to ask why. Well, he's not going to go to any of the cons that we go to. Because well, I'm no, he's going to when he sees that uh, comic come out, he's going to look that, for that bum and be like panel in Minnesota, which by the way was in February. So they're not doing a fables panel this year, Comic Con? You think they're not? He said it last year. Oh, I told he did? I told you and your wife that that was the last time he's doing it. They're moving the fables panel to Emerald City. Oh. Or the Fables Con, which again well, held well. in Minnesota, right <clears throat> in February. Exactly. Literally, the, the, open the doors and you're on Hoth. <laughs> what a great time! That, well, if know. I was if it, I was opening the doors, I'd be on Hoth. That would be a little bit different than Minnesota on Hoth. You know, I, I give me a tauntaun. Give me a tauntaun any day if I'm opening the doors. I'm actually on Hoth. Uh, Awkward silence. There was a little bit of pause there. No, there should there. have been silence. Just everybody stare. So. Other news, uh, Warehouse 13 got extended for one more season, which is going to be its last season. That doesn't count as a season. No, it's only six episodes. Yeah, that's not a season. they got to stop calling those things seasons. <laughs> which, well, it's like a mid-season or like a 
like something that you would see in a, as a mid-season it's, it's, season it's premiere. Like a, it's like a single versus an album. Well, no, I, I was talking... Or an, or an EP versus an album. I was just talking about this yesterday with uh, Sherlock. The first two seasons, or series of it, are three three episodes each. And the new series or season, you know, for us Americans, is only three episodes. So it's like three miniseries. Mini yeah, I mean, it I'm comes... Not, I'm not debating the... the quality of how many episodes i'm debating its definition sure what well, I mean, definition of well usually what they're calling seasons now are just like how many episodes we put out before we break and it's like you know you know uh, either that or it's just when uh new series are starting and they don't know how well they're gonna do like walking dead for example first season was six, six, six episodes. episodes right well that was done because they didn't know if the show was going to last if it's going to be picked up exactly well, they had point. a story right. to tell what i'm saying is that what we used to define a season is no longer defined as a season right right no you that's know, understandable it's, it's no longer 24 episodes 24 episodes was usually a season well, 22 it's 22 was it 22 24 because i know you're t- not watching well no <laughs> right. i know like when 24 was you call yourself a filmmaker well yeah 24 <laughs> has to be 24 episodes yes no but well, actually a, it does it the return is 12 right the return is 12 episodes because they're missing hours, hours and as Entertainment Weekly put in. I guess we finally find out that Jack Bauer does get stuck in traffic like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, it's uh, that and there's a bunch of other shows back in the day that 24 episodes was a normal season. Right. As far as Warehouse 13, though, I'm happy that it's coming back, but I'm really sad that it's ending. I've never seen it, so I can really <laughs> well, if comment on they, it. Um, sorry, I'm still looking at Kickstarter. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> For where else? I think it's better to know that you're ending, and to go out when you're ready to go out. If you have a a creative, uh, <laughs> well, that's yeah. what they were saying. Is Alphas would love to have at least six more episodes. But yeah, but I mean, knowing you go out, I mean, you run into the thing of Supernatural or Lost, or you know, the creators of Lost begged ABC to tell them just let us know how many seasons we have right because then they're just stalling for time in the middle although i, I didn't think so i liked all the seasons but well no um, yeah, it's definitely better to know when you when you're going out so and let it, you know you can, let it go out now you can close the before. stories that are open so that's and, and, the good yeah, part. that was the that was the other feeling i had was yeah let it go out while it's still good and you know while i still like it and instead of when i'm going oh god it's way too long there's too many seasons mm-hmm but yeah, it, it's just one of those things where you're happy but you're sad that it's going to be ending because it's such a great show. So yeah. Anyway, so um, five know. people pledged seventy five hundred dollars to Zach Brass movie. God. You're Somebody take that away from Chris. who has seventy five hundred. Who what lay person has seventy five hundred bucks to help the guy from Garden State make another movie? You know, there, there's, there's, well, apparently Mikey did. It. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, one of his buddies probably that, you know, decided. It was one of his producers so anyway. Won ten thousand dollars. <laughs> what was that voice he just made? Uh, did, did, just Zach, did Zach Braff do the ten thousand dollar backer? So he gets, well, he gets to be a cast member. There you go. His wife did it. Probably. Is he married? I don't remember. I don't know. Thousand dollars. But I, I think I, I like the high pitch though. You got to do that more often. Holy crap. I think every time that okay, so Chris is making I'm a point. I'm going to take the iPad away from Wait, no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Go on to the next topic. Right, well, the next topic would be the new summer movies that are coming out. So, uh-huh. Oh, no, actually, I, I take it back. I wanted to mention that um, last week that it was uh, the coronation of Merida, the princess from Pixar's Brave. Not a princess. She is a well, princess. Technically, she is now. Technically, she was before that. Did they yeah. refer to her as a princess? Yes, they did. Her, her father was the king of the four clans 
And was he the king or was he the chief? No, he's the king. Tomato, but tomato. Anyways, Disney decided that during the coronation... I just argued about the definition of a season. <laughs> Trust me, it means something. <laughs> Anyways, that they were changing her image. They wanted to make her sexier with a more skinny waist and a bigger bust line, and they got rid of her... Well, I don't know if Disney would ever refer to it as sexier, but well, you know, it definitely was a, a more of a sexy-looking Merida, which is hard to say, anyways, because wasn't she like a teenager or something in it? Well, yeah. Anyways, it, lo- it looks like she grew ten years and she looks um, like she grew year. ten years in just her bust. Yeah, but no, it it this, this is the problem I have with it. Is disturbing. I know, right? <laughs> No, the problem I have with this Disney is Disney now owns everything that I, I love and hold dear, <laughs> and now I'm going to be on a blacklist, and they're not going to let me ever see one of their movies again. My, you have I, people you know my daughter's going to love that. You're going to have people stopping you at the theaters and like, I'm hey, you're that guy. Never going to be allowed to in Disneyland stop. again. <laughs> but, you know, the bad thing was that they did this right before the coronation. You know, it was almost like they got to give her a sexy look before she can be be Doesn't make sense to me. princess. But... There was immediately, there was immediately a a backlash on the internet that they a petition was filed and over two hundred thousand people I think signed up for this thing within twenty four or forty eight hours, and right you, should, you really you shouldn't have to have a petition for this, but the funny thing was, on the on the Disney Princess website, without you know Disney took down the all of their new campaign or the new look for Merida. And replaced it immediately with the old stuff, but never made a comment. They, they like they totally. Well, just they're trying to erase it from their history. Is like, well, if we don't mention it, nobody will remember it. I do, I just think it's it just came down to the fact that, you know, this is upsetting that these young girls had someone to look up to now, and they decided, hey, you know, we're just gonna make her more marketable by doing this. Way. Well, and see, and that's where a lot of the feminists will say came into play where they were saying that they I'm not you know, a feminist, there was, but I there was a finally a princess that wasn't the real skinny, you know, slim, blonde, you know, brunette that is very She was something appealing. different. She was a little bit different. You know, she that, she did have her her Pixar spin on her look and everything. She had the, you know, red messy hair. She was definitely a ginger, which, you know, and in the British Isles, gingers don't get a lot of credit or a lot of respect, you know. There's always the old Staying of the redheaded stepchild, you know, and apparently Merida was looked at as the redheaded stepchild of Disney for a couple of days. But it looks like all is well now in the land of Disney, and Merida's got her look back. And well, no, I'm kind of glad that they did. I mean, it just it just gave you a different feel than what nor normal uh, characters look like, and it was something different. And I liked it when I saw it first, and then when you like the the new look. No, no, I, I like the original look right. versus what they changed it to because now it just looked more cookie cutter to whatever they have already, and just nicer with some variety. So, well, it was one of the things was that they changed her eyes. They gave her big doe eyes, and they gave her a lot more makeup, and you know, it just it, it seemed like her hair wasn't as curly. It wasn't. It was like, her hair was more kept. It was you know, yeah. It, it still kind of had that big hair, but at least it was looked more brushed, and you know, she looked more refined, which. It's totally different than what that character was originally supposed to be. Yeah. You know, that character, she she was all about, I am who I am, and you're going to like me, you know, or I'm going to put a bow in your ass. 
So yeah. that's exactly what she said in the Disney movie. She did. She, she said, You're going to like me. If you don't, I'm going to put, put a bow, bow in your ass. ass. Technically, she's going to put the arse. arrow in your ass. But, you well, know. actually, it would be oh, an no, arse, wouldn't it? Of course. Arse? Yeah, arse? I'm going to put the bow in your arse. Why would you put the bow? <laughs> Wouldn't you find the arrow? <laughs> That's what I said. I just arrow. corrected myself, but you know, hey, I guess hey, the bow would hurt worse than the arrow. If you ran out of arrows, you would have to stick the bow up your ass. Or up I guess arrows. an arrow up your ass doesn't sound again. As well as a this bow. entire conversation is massively uncomfortable and inappropriate. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, let's go back. Moving to the on. Movie, the summer movies. Uh, we've already had two of the big ones out. <clears throat> Iron Man just reached a billion dollars worldwide. Which we seem to be talking about a lot the last couple of episodes. Um, so far, we've done four podcasts, and Iron Man's been mentioned in all four of them. So this is the last time I want to speak of Iron Man for a long time. I don't know if people can tell that we like Iron Man. But anyways, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, we do have a full review up on our website, thanks to Chris. It is non-spoiler, and it's very, very um, interesting. And made me actually interesting. That makes it sound bad. No, it, it's, it's very it's, interesting. No, it's it, it, it's an it, interesting review. No, it I was, think you meant interesting as in it was it's a nice. It's interesting in a really good way because it like it's like when you see a woman who unfortunately just isn't as pretty as you think she's supposed to be, and you go, she's she's interesting. So that's what Disney was saying originally about Merida. So yeah, go back to that. No, apparently. Anyways, <laughs> she's interesting. No, Chris's. I, I really enjoyed Chris's review of in into the darkness or into darkness. And I definitely recommend everybody going and reading it. You know, all how many of our listeners we have, and Mikey, who's here with us. We'd like um, to urge our fan to go and read our it. Our fan. Um, but it's getting. It, I just saw that it only did eighty-four million or eighty-four million dollars for its first four days opening, which is below what the last J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie did of a hundred million. So I guess does that make it a flop? In everybody's eyes, that it wasn't as good, but because personally, I think Star it's Trek made a hundred million in four days. I yeah. don't think so. Yeah, the uh, first Star Trek made a hundred million in four days, uh, according to IMDb. Because uh, they're always right. Well, I'm not saying IMDb is always right, but they are a more trusted uh, outlet. You would hope that they would be a more trusted outlet. Anyway, yeah. so trusting IMDb is as much as trusting Wiki. Just. It might be right. It might be wrong. Anyways. Um, yeah. But, uh, so the article on CBR, according to Variety, well, <laughs> article on CBR talking about Variety, well-reviewed film made $84.1 million since opening in North America. On Friday, Sunday, it took in $70.55 million compared to 2009 predecessors, $75.2 million in its opening weekend. So the original film made $75 million in the three days. And it made $100 million in a four-day. Yeah. $70 million for Friday to Sunday here. Did Star Trek open on Thursday? I don't think it no, did. They technically opened on Wednesday. Yeah, they had some showing on Wednesdays. No, and not the new one. The no, last no one. the last one was oh, the Thursday. The last one was only Thursday, yeah. It was Thursday, Sunday, this one was, was Wednesday. Yeah. Was it was it a midnight Thursday or was it, uh, it was a midnight. full day Thursday? No, no it was is, a midnight. This is a full day Thursday. No, it was a midnight Thursday for the last one because yeah, they only so recently started this, doing This film had an extra day. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is funny. So that if you have a full day, I would expect you to to not have as much on Friday to Sunday when you had people going as early as 9 p.m. on Wednesday. So you had almost like 28 hours, 29 hours of showings before the Friday to Sunday that they're comparing it to last year, which Thursday night midnight showings for the 2009 film would be considered Friday. 
But are they considering it Friday to Sunday, or are they considering they're it just considering a three-day? They're considering it Friday to Sunday. It lists the, the, the Variety article listed specifically Friday to Sunday, bringing in $70.55 million for Star Trek Into Darkness compared to the 2009 predecessor, $75.2 million in its opening weekend. Um, well, yeah, if they're starting Thursday at midnight, that's technically that's Friday. Those count as Friday receipts. So it's it's you're saying that one donut isn't as big or delicious as the next donut but they're still really kick-ass donuts mm-hmm. right donuts. it made a lot of money and it's going to continue to make a lot of money i think having it be well reviewed is going to help whereas iron man 3 had a lot of middling reviews you know i i, I think it, it's going to help. i'll tell you what it's going to be the first film uh first new film this year that that'll get my ten dollars twice because it was. No, it was a fantastic movie. It was. A, I, it was I can't. Really I really. I can't think of anything in that movie that I disliked. Yeah, uh, same there here. Was, there was nothing. There was one part I disliked was when it ended because I wanted it to keep going because <laughs> it was awesome. That, that, that was. It was just. It was really it, from the very beginning to the ending credits. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, it mean that uh, uh, everything played well together. It was all. There was no like dead spots in the movie. So I mean, yeah, I was I really enjoyed it myself it, it too. It had it had a nice amount of Easter eggs without being overtly put into a scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing. So the next one coming the, up, the point you, you mentioned something with that. What yeah. I love about this film is there was a lot of things about this film. One of the things I really love in, in what J.J. Abrams did is. Every piece that we would consider an Easter egg is something that doesn't take away from a new fan's enjoyment of the film. Right. You could have never seen a Star Trek film at any point in your entire life and see these pieces that the person next to you who's a big Star Trek fan has a big smile on his or her face. going, oh, I, I know what that means. Oh, that's called and it doesn't take anything away from For example, from every... sitting next to Rich while watching this movie and <laughs> having him giggle at but again, not not to say piece. anything, uh, not to give any of the Easter eggs away, because there's a couple of big ones. There's if, some if you're, really if big you're ones. a Star Trek fan, I'm telling you right now, and I've told this to people that, at work on Friday, you need to go see this film as quickly as possible because yes. there, there was something in it that I didn't. Well, there was more than one thing in it that I was able to manage to avoid that made me really happy. Maybe you know, the big grin on your face and the guy was awesome. Um, it, it's as I said in my review, I think Star Trek Into Darkness is. Abrams all but perfectly crafted love letter to Star Trek um, to the fans no to Star Trek to Star to, Trek to, to, to the, the universe to, it is everything that makes Star Trek good yes that makes it great that makes it fun that makes it exciting that makes it interesting that makes it poignant that makes it important I think everything is in there and it really is a, a chance to take the best things of this franchise that's been around since the 60s, this story, this idea, this phenomenon that's been around through the 60s, and give it something new, but also give it a lot of pieces that made it so enjoyable in the first place. There's a reason why Star Trek was so popular. It's not a fluke. It's not uh, happenstance. It's not coincidence. There's a reason Star Trek is so popular. There's a reason that there's more Star Trek films than there are Star Wars films. There's more Star Trek films than there are Harry Potter films. There's more Star Trek films than there is uh, of pretty much any franchise you can think Mm -hmm. of that doesn't start with James Bond. Right. Um, There's TV shows. There's multiple TV shows. There's conventions. There's there's a huge fan base. There's a fan base that rivals any other fan base on Earth. 
there's a reason for that. And I think a large number of those reasons is right on that screen, right in front of you. And it, it I've read enough other reviews. It's okay. It's not bad. You know what? At this point, just for me, go watch the film and just enjoy the damn film. And right. don't be up. Don't be own enjoying it to me. I mean, if, if you love the film, I love this film. I See, really and I've always been film. a bigger Star Wars fan than Star Trek, but I love this fan. You know, this film. I thought there, this film was as good as the original Star Wars trilogy, if not better. It, it you're you're comparing apples to oranges. True. Again, there's there's no point in saying it's better than Star Wars. It's not as good as. Who cares? Right. It's a damn good film. It good is point. a damn enjoyable film. Well, even like go someone... enjoy. It. Own that you love that film. I love this film. Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell me. Last year's Batman Dark Knight Rises. As many people want to come out and tell me that film sucks, I'm sorry. I love that film. Right. The end. That's it. I love this film, and I think people, I think other people will enjoy it. Everyone that I know that has seen it has really enjoyed it. I said it's one of their their favorite films. This was a, this was the film I was looking forward to as much as any other film in the summer. Yep. For the year, it's this and Thor too because I love the original Thor, and he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. To go into a film that you are walking into going, I want this to be the best film I'll see this year. And for all intents and purposes, it deliver on that mm-hmm. is really, really, really difficult. I mean, I love the Lord of the Rings films. I went to see the Hobbit. I didn't go see it a second time. I haven't right. seen it since I haven't even seen it on DVD. I enjoyed Iron Man. I saw the original Iron Man three times in the theater. I didn't go back and see Iron Man three and I probably won't. I cannot wait to go see this film again. I want to experience it all over again. You're never going to get that experience the first time you're in there either. I mean, with, with everything. Oh, no, there, there's so many things that happen. You, yeah. That, yeah. But, but the it, great thing is not to have it. And th- this is what I can tell if, if anyone is listening. Try to avoid anything that's being said about the film that might give a spoiler. Just go into it pure and just sit down and allow the movie to... I mean, it, it, you will just get so captivated by mm-hmm. again. Part of it, it. This is something I've attempted to do, and and really attempt to do this. I didn't read anything about it. I tried to avoid as many trailers as I did. I couldn't help but see <laughs> pieces of it. But I don't think outside of the very first trailer, I watched an entire trailer from start to finish. Um, I didn't look at the IMDb page. I didn't look at articles of it coming up. The right. the interview with J.J. Abrams and, and the stuff in Entertainment Weekly, I read that after I saw the film. If you go into it, I knew I wanted to see this film. So I went and saw the film, and I tried to miss as much of it beforehand as I could so that there was something there that not necessarily would surprise you, but you're not sitting there going, okay, I already know this. Can we do something? We have, right. I already know this plot. I already know who this character is. I already know that this guy becomes uh, the bad guy. I already know that this guy becomes a good guy. I already know that this thing shows up. I already, and it's just like, I think that's part of the problem with why we don't enjoy these big films anymore is we know so much about them. Well, How many see, people went to see Star Wars and had no idea other than, hey, it's a movie in which spaceships go around and shoot stuff? Now see, Abrams has always done a great job with that with the trailers. He doesn't reveal too much. Even with this one, even up to the very last trailer that came out that I think I saw before Iron Man 3, it didn't give enough of the plot away for you to sit there and go, oh, man, I wish they wouldn't have revealed that. Whereas well, you realize a lot of the shots in the commercials and the, t- and the, and the uh, trailer are in the opening before right. the title mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a 
very cool, very fun, very important mission that the Enterprise is on. It's a classic. Trinket. That's a lot of the shots that you see. And that, to me, that's fantastic. You're 10 minutes into the film and you go, okay, so much of what we're going to see <laughs> is stuff I haven't seen before. Which I hope Abrams carries that over with the new Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's up to him. I, for me, I, all, all they would the need to do is just... the Christopher Nolan does. So. No, true. All they need to do is show the title for it, you know, Star Wars Episode Seven, whatever the title, and the date. That's all you need to show for that trailer. And you'll still get yeah, just Yeah, but no, it's not going to happen. No, it's not. Lil Darth Vader. <laughs> Lil Darth Vader. He's going to be the size of an Ewok. He's going to be cute. Maybe he's going it's to be an Ewok. CGI. What oh, if it's just go. an Ewok with a Darth, Darth Vader again, helmet? Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness looks so good. CGI in it, I thought really. And I didn't. Really I didn't think that especially the, the lens flares. Too. I see. Like I don't the, think. I didn't think there was as many lens flares, flares in this one as the last one. Well, that's I, good. I mean, that's, that was the only the only problem I had with the movie, and I'm seeing it with a lot of action movies nowadays is that they're adding these lens flare, uh, lens flares in them. That's old. Go that back is, and watch Jurassic Park. I just well, I went no, to see I Jurassic know. Park 3D today in the cheap theater, and let me tell you, there are lens flares all over that film. I'm sure. I mean, and it, it's just maybe maybe it wasn't as noticeable to me as well, it was before. Well, Abrams said with with the Star Treks that he did make it. He wanted to make it more stylized, and the lens flares were there. Some of them were there per, on purpose. Others were there just to kind of set the room tone or the the feel of it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything as bad as when I watched the new Total Recall. I mean, that thing was just like starting to cover stuff yeah, up. I don't even remember that. That I was thought horrible. the whole call I didn't see any To me, that was horrible. Like, I was like, I was watching it, and I think I even got out of the movie, and I was, or like, got taken out of, like, watching the movie because I was, I was like, gonna say, you didn't go see the movie, did you? Another, that was another lens flare. So, so, this weekend coming up, May 23rd, May 24th. My birthday. We have The Hangover Part 3, Epic, and Fast and Furious 6. Oh, yeah. Are anybody excited Hangover. about any of those three? <clears throat> Hangover three, I, I I think they should have stopped after one, so I am not particularly caring for that. Fast and the Furious, same thing. Um, an epic. I don't think I'm looking forward to watching Pitbull as an animated character. So no. See, Epic's one of those ones where you know, I'm afraid. I I want it to be good, but when I saw it. It just reminds me of Fern Gully and a couple others that have been you know already made. So I know my daughter, you know, she's five. It's a kids movie, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you. I'm hoping nobody's expecting to go. Anybody over the age of ten, I'm thinking, expecting to go see it to be one of those film masterpieces. Oh, see, I, yeah, I don't it's, think it's, it's going to be. You know, it's not going to be like Rise of the. Yeah, Guardians but you also say like that Pixar is a kids movie, and most of the Pixar movies are incredible for adults as well. I mean, you can do mm -hmm. both. The thing with Epic is I've seen a huge print campaign. I couldn't tell you what the hell the movie's about. I've never seen a trailer for it. So. All I've seen is just when it's something about the forest and it's, fairies it's another, or something It's another like one of those movies that's like what Ferngully was, where you have a human that gets shrunk down to the size of the... Oh, it's another um, one of those films. Yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, well, no, it, it's, 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 it's... Honey, the, I Shrunk the Kids was awesome. It was. I'm not that denying that. Film. I'm just saying. Film. It's the films like that, that. Are, are supposed to be nature conscious, conscious and... You know, it, it's um, what was the? It was there was one not done long ago with um, um, I can't think of what it is now. Mm -hmm. I know the borrowers was kind of like that. There was also um, what had Freddie Highmore. Borrowers. It's um, wasn't it the little one? Um, room, no, like it's they lived the in the house or something. Uh, in, in 
Something in the Invisible. Arthur and the Invisibles. That's what it was. Yeah. My brain Never seen now. it. But okay, Fast and Furious 6. The sixth installment in this where we get to see Vin Diesel driving Fast and Furious. So, again, Vin Diesel... Vin Diesel driving. I still like uh, Chris's comment the other night about Blowing this. stuff up and then driving off again. And it just seems like all the Fast and Furious movies are the same at this point, and so I have but no interest. people with... like them. I know, that's Complaining the about them is not going to do anything. Know, Look, there's the going to be Fast and Furious 7, 8, 9, 10, oh, and 11, geez. in which the fastest thing in it is Vin Diesel in a wheelchair. <laughs> so... I'd be kind of if to, they were on to Rascal complain Scooters. about it to me. Rascals. You're like, <laughs> you know what? People enjoy these films, so who cares? No, and I understand yes, it's that. It's dumb. You get nice a couple watch. of a couple of minis together, and you take down an airliner. <laughs> you know, whatever. And then Vin Diesel shoots out of it like the Millennium Falcon out of the Death Star. Well, it's like I was saying yesterday. Wouldn't, why wouldn't the plane just like lift up higher and just lift all those? Again, we, up, we would go see the dragon. But yeah, that would be funny. What was my comment the other day? What was the one you said? Did you like you like my comment? What comment was it? It was about the mini. You said something about the minis taking down. I think the what we were just talking about the mini with the airplane. Oh, no, it, it was, it was, it was, there was something else that he compared it to, and I, I don't remember what it was now. Italian job? No, no. no. <laughs> it, it was something. Oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, it it, it it's sort of since you know what I well, can see why people like these films, and if they're gonna. I'm the same way with The Hangover. It's a, it's like if the same. Hang, who cares if they do The Hangover 16 times? It's the same film. If people continue to go see it, they're going to continue to keep making it. You Obviously. know how you stop it? Don't go see it. You and I won't go see it. We won't go see Hangover. We're doing 3. our part exactly, yes. and that's it. That's as much as we can do. But to sit here and condemn somebody who goes to see Fast and Furious, 6, I'm not committed, and anybody can go watch whatever they want. But when you, I'm not saying it's a, it's a problem that you know. Rich decides he wants to go see Fast and Furious, for example. If he likes those movies, go for it. Well, no. If it's somebody you know, like Rich, yes, tell him he's an idiot for going to see it. But Wait, I'm Rich, not going to see it. Rich, I'll you're an idiot it. for going to see Rich Fast and Furious. Rich owns all five Fast and Furious movies, and he watches them on a daily basis. No, I have number one. three. No, that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Lord yes, that is Pirates. Um, um, but no, I have seen all five of the Fast and Furious. I've only seen I'm one sorry. of them in the theater, which was the first one. Um, the last one wasn't bad. I just... It's enough for me. Is it's enough's enough. We don't need to keep seeing, you know, the cars or anything. I I enjoyed. I, I think fast cars. In the it's movie a is fun, fun I'm movie not to go. To drive after I see one of those movies, my wife refuses to let me. But you know, I I enjoy them, but I don't want to go spend fifteen twenty dollars for it. Although you know, I can say I bought Green Lantern on Blu-ray, so I can't really talk on that matter. Um, yeah. Hangover 2 I saw and I didn't go to the theater to see it but I did see it I have seen it multiple times I watched it on Netflix and then I've watched it on HBO a couple times um, HBO bringing you the same crappy movie every weekend for the last 30 years isn't that Spike TV? no oh, no, that's no, just that's Star Wars HBO. Um, so after after we have Fast and Furious then the next big one is After Earth on May 31st Will Smith and his son travel back to earth which also then is now something. you see me which which that one seems kind of interesting yeah it's it has a, it's 3000 people in it hmm? but it has 3000 people in it yeah. it's kind of funny cuz the people that they show you in the ad are not the people that are listed first on the <laughs> on the the uh the poster entertainment weekly's article for this was very confusing too cuz they have a picture of like Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine and like two other actors and nowhere in the article does it mention that they're in the film Right. It talks about the the whole magic crew there, magic crew. Well, no, at the end of the funny day, we find out that they're actually playing magic together. 
that would wow, be, that, that would be, would be a movie. That would be. Kind yeah, of they, used, they used to be leagues and teams. It's, and but it is it was on Ruffalo, ESPN. So, yeah. Well, it's a, it's an interesting concept, and you know, it's it's like the same opinion that I have with the Purge, is it like it's an interesting concept. It hasn't been some. It's not something that has been done, or if it has been done, it's not overly done like Fast and the Furious. So I'd like to go see it. So we're skipping After Earth altogether, right? There's that's. It's just. It's Will Smith is going to make a lot of money. Yeah, I, do. I don't think he's going to make a lot of money at all. You don't yeah, think I don't, so, I don't dude? Think it is. As as much as him proclaiming this is the Millennium, think of it. What's the What's the last big project he's done that you've actually seen him in? The last big project. Name last of the Name of the last. Men is what three? Men in Black Three. Okay, bombed. There's Which they're making Men in Black Four. They've already said doesn't matter. Still bombed. <laughs> but think of it. This idea. I am legend bombed. Yeah. Oh, which they've talked about. They still are talking about doing a two. Uh, which, by the way, they're still do talk- a two. Exactly. I don't know. They're wanting to do. That's uh, the sort of thing where I say, okay, that doesn't need a sequel. No, that's a, that's what I said State about the Hangover. There's still is in the works. Yeah, I get that. Uh, no, I mean, not maybe it's not going to be on the level of something like Iron Man making a hundred million, two hundred million, you know, a billion dollars. Whatever. I thought we said we weren't going to talk about Iron Man anymore. Okay, I'm sorry. But I mean, it's just on that on, on that point. I mean, it's it's Will Smith. People are going to go see it because it is Will Smith, and not having to have, I think have to will know. Not it. go see it because you it's Will so? Smith. The only Will Smith that I really love is it's Jay Farrell playing Will Smith on Saturday Night Live. It's what yeah. is, is Jay Farrell playing Will Smith on Saturday Night Live? It's not even not the Fresh Prince. He's not the stale Prince. He's not the the July Fourth action hero for three years in a row or whatever right where he was number one so no, i still think he has a fan base to the point where the, it's going to make a decent amount of money he does but you're not going to see it carry over you're going you're going to see fast and furious probably be number one for those two weeks now you see mm-hmm. me may no take i don't think second, but i don't think i don't, I don't think, think there's no. not enough that you, you can kind of tell these sort of things by what and, and one of the reasons why I think uh, After Earth may not make as much money is you can kind of tell when you start seeing what, you know, that, that random word that we can't define called buzz. Mm-hmm. Now You See Me is is pushed all over the place, but nobody you know is talking about it. Nobody knows, like, I got to go see that or that sort of thing. Well, even right. like when I'm with saying... After Earth. I mean, really, and, and until Superman comes out, you know, that's where, and obviously we travel in circles in which Superman is going to be uh, popular to them or at least interesting to them but we also travel in circles of people who go to see movies so <laughs> all of those none of those people are talking about now you see me none of those people are talking about after earth uh, we're kind of talking about how big will smith's ears are but whatever um i don't think we that, were discussing that was just me yeah yeah uh, was you i think you were just thinking that no he's talking about it yesterday well okay the week after that is the internship and the purge also, Much Ado About Nothing and Rapture Palooza. Well, I know you're going to see Much Ado About Nothing. Well, I w- you're going to see it. Just stop. Okay, yeah, I probably am going to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the funniest thing in that movie is when it came on in front of uh, Iron Man 3, and I said, wow, the sequel to Avengers looks much different. <laughs> as it has, uh, it has uh, Clark Gregg, and directed by Josh Whedon, and then you see Clark Gregg walk into the screen. I'm like, wow, he went in a really different direction for Avengers 2. It takes place at uh, Stark Mansion over the course of a weekend, and it's shot in black and white. <laughs> okay, so what about the internship? Internship, it's what it's Vince Vaughn and 
Owen Wilson back together. Yes. I, I think it would be an interesting because those two have great chemistry with each other. I've never disliked a film they've done. So yeah. So I mean, well, I, I think that I mean that to me that week it's it's going to be probably the inter- internship. Rapture Palooza looks no, that just looks horrible. I'm sorry. I, like I love Anna Kendrick, but. I said that's the only reason I'd probably watch I, I it, just, but that's going to be... What the hell is Rapture Palooza? <laughs> oh, Chris wasn't here when we There's were watching the There's a Morton Downey Jr. movie? Yes. <laughs> um. Good God. <laughs> <clears throat> There's a Morton Downey Jr. movie that comes out. Wow. Oh, yeah. But anyways... Um, Does anybody listening... Well, if any, if anybody was listening to this, would anybody actually remember who Morton Downey Jr. was? I have no idea. Who there you go. Yeah. Wow. Um... Rapture Palooza is um, Craig Robinson Craig as Robinson, the devil. Yes, as after the Antichrist, rapture. and it's it's another. It looks like a Judd Avatar film. Isn't Craig Robinson in the movie the next week? And he's, he's in the he's in the, the very. End? Wow. This is the end. He's he's got two. So you movies. have a Rapture movie with Craig Robinson, and, and you have an end of the world movie. movie with Craig Robinson. Yes, back to back. We haven't seen the likes of this since uh, meteors were attacking the Earth and competing films. No, all of a sudden I forgot the name of. 2012 and deep impact yeah (laughs) well we have that this year with um white house down and uh um fall olympus is falling yeah totally different olympus is falling has a plane coming around shooting everybody up white house down has apparently helicopters after june 7th uh, june 12th we have this is the end this is the end end. which looks good again probably won't see it in the theater which is on wednesday so there, this is the end is Wednesday, but then Friday is Man of Steel, and also Bling Ring. You think Man of Steel will actually stay there? No, it will open. I'll say it'll open on Wednesday. I think it would too. It'll do what Star Trek did and what Iron Man did. <clears throat> well, I think Walmart is uh, selling the preview tickets on Wednesday, so it's releasing for Walmart uh, customers. Whoever buys the pre-sale tickets at Walmart, I don't think they're going to turn I, down. Three do you days think that's going to last? I think the theaters themselves will just say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to do a Wednesday opening," because that's what they've been doing lately. You know, I mean, going back with you would think so. I mean, unless Harry Potter's, they went back to a Wednesday opening. Unless like Walmart has made some sort of deal with Warner Brothers to say that only certain theaters are going to be selling, I, I don't see that happening. But I, and it's a very good possibility that we'll see. Well, for a theater, them if you opening. can't sell out that theater, then you're not going to want to show the movie there. So, well, no, I even think that maybe they'll look at how many people pre-order this and get the ticket. But if you're if if your local Cineplex is like, okay, we've got a theater, I got to give up a theater to put two people in, versus. I can open the movie to everybody and I'll fill it out. Well, no, but and I think that's what it, it is up, because out, even whatever, even walking into a Walmart the other day and when I saw the sign, it shows just the local theater. What's the, I mean, like what was in, uh, the closest theater to that Walmart was doing this? But see, I think that there's going to be a real dark horse that weekend, and there is very much of a pun intended here because My Little Pony Equestria Girls opens on. June sixteenth opens on a Sunday. It opens you, on okay. a Sunday. I saw the preview for this in front of what My Little Pony, Trek, didn't we? Or like on the an ad. And so, what My Little Pony? Yes, they turn into chicks, like real girls. Oh yeah, that defeats the purpose of My Little Pony. <laughs> it's not My Little Girl, it's My Little Pony, and they oh, yeah. turn into girls. And you see, the only person that I think would be watching this would be Rich. 
Well, that's because Just I have because, a five-year-old daughter. I'm not yeah, which he keeps playing. Yeah, which you keep uh, using that as an excuse. So I'm kind of Figment still of worrying. Imagination. Uh, I did. But again, let's get let's get back to My Little Ponies, being uh, My Little Girls. They turn into girls. Yes. That's, this is this is not right. This, this is something I, I don't care about. My Little Pony, one way or the other. But Spike turns into a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Spike is the little dragon in My Little Pony that talks, and he's kind of the. Uh, so he messenger. goes from a dragon to a dog. Yes, that's that's going down. <laughs> that's that's down the scale. It, it would this be cooler acceptable. if it was if he was a dog turning into a dragon, though. See, <laughs> yes. Mikey does the show. Okay, so the then joke Mikey... was supposed to be that we we're going to talk about My Little Pony for a couple of minutes, and now we're actually talking about My Little <laughs> we're Pony. We're actually for a talking about that's it. That's pretty sad. I think, our, and I think our... Mikey is going to be the only other person with you in that theater, Rich. Well, you know, no, there'll be. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. There'll you're, be a, there'll be a ton of bronies in there because let me tell you, bronies. It's another thing that bugs me. Yes. Okay. So, anyways, going after that, Friday the twenty first, we have War War Z and Monster University. Those are totally competing films. The know, same right? exact audience <laughs> is yeah, gonna go. They they both talk about some sort of monsters, right? Yeah. Depends. Yeah. You consider yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, whatever. zombies can be considered as monsters, right? I don't know. I don't know. I think I, Monsters I, University takes that weekend. There's no way no. it doesn't. It's a major Pixar release. Yep. It's always. But not only that, but World War Z is, you know, a zombie flick where, you know, you have everything right now is zombie, zombie, zombie. So I'm pretty sure yeah, that's going to make some good money. When you, when you. It, again, because it, in all honesty, they're different audiences. You're going to see more than likely the person who's going to go see World War Z is not someone who has a nine-year-old boy or girl that's going to go want to see. They're going to go see it without their nine-year-old boy and girl. <laughs> If you have to make a choice that weekend, you're you're going to take your kid to go see Monsters. Monsters University is going to blow the World War Z out of the water. But no, it I doesn't mean that, that World War Z it. isn't going to make any money. No one, no one say that. It's it's going to make its money back as mired in controversy or whatever that it is. It'll 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 be fine. I don't think they're going to lose mm-hmm. any money on it. Plus, that Brad Pitt is just dreamy. Oh yeah, no, I figured that. Splendiferous. <laughs> Bit delicious. <laughs> the best SNL commercial in like five years. Are these actually so words good. anymore? Do I, do I need to say words anymore? Does anyone else have a problem with it? Exactly. <laughs> right. Just soaked. Is it that, that's why they're chasing him. Yeah. Uh, so Friday the 28th, we have The Heat, which I have no idea. I've never heard it's it. It's the uh, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy movie where they're like sw- uh, like undertug- undercover detectives or something oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay. Now I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> Cop partners, yeah. And then we have White House Down. Channing Tatum, Tatum, Channing. Channing Tatum, Tatum, Channing. That movie is going to be so bad, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a firm believer that movie is going to be awesome. Or we'll because it's, it's look, I'm not saying it's made, it's going to be stupid. Like, really, really stupid. Well, it, it, it's, Jamie Foxx is the president, drops a rocket launcher when he's sitting outside of the... the and he also the, tells somebody to get off his Jordans and... Yeah, so, you know what? It's a buddy flick. It, it, no. It's a full buddy flick. And stuff's going right. to blow up. It's going to be amazing. You, you, yeah, that's right. You have your chick buddy flick and your... And then uh, July 3rd is Despicable Me 2. Kevin Hart, let me explain. Why is that highlighted? Because idea. he's gonna spend the entire time explaining why explaining. he sucks so bad on SNL. Exactly. So I hope I hope it's just nothing but an apology for that. I would actually worst, go watch that. The worst, worst. SNL ever. Yes. Oh, that was so bad. The I don't know if it was ever. Worst, well, no, yeah, ever. maybe. Trust me. Maybe. Uh, ever. At least. Oh, it had. Yeah, it had. Ever. Close. I think that's the only SNL that I did not laugh at a single sketch. 
and it was kind Not of upsetting. I think, I think we laughed at Weekend Update. We laughed at Weekend Update, but mm-hmm. then when he was on Weekend Update, it just kind of... Oh, God, he was on Weekend Update, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to block that out of my head. Good Lord. And we also have Lone Ranger that weekend. Finally have the Lone Ranger. Finally have Lone Ranger. The movie that started and stopped and started and stopped. Yeah, the movie was supposed to be out like a year ago. I'm right? actually really sad that they have Despicable Me 2 and Lone Ranger in the same weekend. Why? Why are you sad? Because there's... Well, cause Here's I'm, the thing. There are multiple days within a weekend. Yeah, I know. So you, you can go... Or you can go see two movies in one day. Yes, that's what I'm afraid I'm going to have to do. And that's not really afraid. You don't you know. have to do anything. You don't have to go see either of them. Nobody's pointing a gun to your head. And if they are, maybe... You want to call the cops or something? Because that's not that's not normal. Maybe know, maybe that maybe that happens to you. Your movie viewing choices at that point are not the highest priority. Did someone hold a gun to you when you bought the Blu-ray version of Green Lantern? Or someone? No, I actually bought that because my five-year-old liked it. With yeah, yeah. Your five-year-old Again. didn't like it. That was the problem. Well, Again, no, even the, your no, five-year-old funny, figured out that movie was a piece of crap. The funny thing about the movie about Green Lantern was no, there was nothing funny about when Green we walked Lantern. out of the theater. The whole movie was She funny. looked at me and she goes. Daddy, I liked him when he was in the costume, but the rest of it oh was dumb. She goes, I liked him when he when he was green, but I didn't. The rest of that movie was dumb, and I don't know what that big big cloud thing was, but yeah. that was stupid. <laughs> Must have been too much time on a movie that's four right. years old. And so, anyways, but I just thought mm-hmm. it was funny that my five year old or four year old at the time, I guess, was giving the same review that everybody else was giving about the movie. So, anyways, moving on to Speaks July fifth, we have way way back. I haven't heard of it. I, I have no idea. Know. Oh, yes. I just saw a trailer for this. I thought the movie was in, taking place in the 70s um, until his son puts on a pair of oh, yeah, yeah. iPod. Maybe items. his son is from the future. From the future. This has also got time um, to a world. But Anna Sophia, what's her name? Uh, Anna Sophia Rob. Thank you. Um, this I actually when I saw the trailer I liked it I thought it might be interesting and you know the funny thing is Steve Carell has always been marketed as the comedy guy but I loved every movie he did as a dramatic piece which well, is and this one will definitely to... have he'll, he'll still have comedic elements in it oh yeah I mean it's a different kind of humor that he puts in these movies but I think he's a much better dramatic actor than a comedic actor mm-hmm. there's like uh, what was it Seeking, of, Seeking the Friend for the End of the World mm-hmm. yes that was an amazing movie to me. Karen Knightley, obviously. Well, that, that was the main reason why I decided to see it. Yes. Okay, so uh, we, next <laughs> July 12th, we have Grown Ups. And Wait, you skipped over Wednesday, July 10th. Israel. Israel Home Home Movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> a, a home movie. That's going to win the summer. Is, is it just like. I'm sure it's actually a fantastic picture or whatever. Uh, I'm it's sure it is. I've just, I've never it's, just, it's just funny to see it between, you know, uh, Lone Ranger, Grown Ups 2, and then there's a movie in between. Right. Know, or, oh, Grown Ups 2. Good. Too, so it's yes. just like Adam Sandler. Hey guys, you want to make another movie? No, this one was. Hey, this is. Do you want to make another movie? I can't even do Adam Sandler anymore. <laughs> I was about to say was. that was pretty, uh, was, pretty bad was, attempt. I thought I had it for a second, <laughs> and then it just, it just went. That's like me trying to do my Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh, that was bad. <laughs> You're Morgan Freeman. You did, <laughs> you did so Morgan bad. Freeman the other night, and it that. Wow, it, it words cannot describe. <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, as well as you do, Macho Man. Your Morgan Freeman was that much worse. What can I say? I spent more time practicing Macho Man than Morgan Freeman. What's that supposed to mean? It means you eat a lot of Slim Jims. 
So Grimes too. Obviously, there was going to they were going to make Grimes too. It was his most successful. I don't think it's obvious at all. Yeah, he it was, just it was the most successful film. His it's Adam Sandler. Ever done. It's Adam Sandler being bored and having a lot of money and saying, "Hey, want to make a movie?" Okay, okay yeah, Adam sure. Sandler still has a lot of money. I think he well, has think a he shit ton of money. Wow. Wow, I do. Yeah. Okay. Shit ton. A shit, shit ton. ton. Shit ton of movies. Thanks. Now we got to put the mature audiences tag on it. Yes, That's we okay. do. But what? Uh, explain to me what exactly is a shit ton. It's a ton of shit. <laughs> Which is what Grown Ups was. So there you go. We also have Pacific Rim that Woo-hoo! weekend. Big Robots <laughs> fighting big monsters. Guillermo del Toro. Does del Transformers. Toro, whatever. Does uh, t- his, his take on Neon Genesis Evangelion. Or something along those lines. Or his I, take I, I've on... I've already heard enough people like, yeah, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be dramatic. If you are looking for dramatic... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Pacific exactly Rim is not whatever. Was. It's a big robot. And it punches a big monster repeatedly. So it's like uh, one of those God, uh, Godzilla movies. Then, it right? doesn't. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's and it looks good, and it's huge, yeah. and it's Guillermo del Toro who does really interesting pictures. Uh, I, I love it. I can't wait. Sleeper of the summer. I think so because let me tell because you have someone like me who's excited about it, and you have a five year old who thinks it's amazing also. So I think you hit a lot of a lot of different range. <laughs> Of people that are going to go see that film. No, I think Israel, a home movie, is going to be the sleeper of the summer. I'm, I'm going to call it. The sleeper, all right. <laughs> I'm going to call it right now. Does this go back to sleeper cell? Yes. Okay. I guess. Um, Wednesday the 17th, we have Turbo. Oh, that that's snail. snail. That thinks he can enter NASCAR. It's Ryan it's Reynolds as a snail, snail wanting to enter the, not NASCAR, the, he wants to enter the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, same thing. No, it's not. No, there's if there if there's a race fan out there, it's not. Go up to a race fan and say, you know, the Indianapolis 500, you know, Formula One racing is the same thing as NASCAR. NASCAR goes around in a circle. They make all they make all left turns. Yes, I know. Formula One is the same thing. It's cars racing. That's all. It's cars racing. You watch Top Gear. You should know this. Um. So so we also have on that Friday we have Girl Most Likely. Uh, R.I.P.D., The Conjuring, and Red 2. Which Red 2? Red was just announced as getting Red 3 already talking, uh, script getting in production, or starting pre-production. So Ryan Reynolds Mm -hmm. has two movies that weekend. Yeah, it's Comic-Con weekend also. So (coughs) I'm excited for Red 2. The first Red movie was amazing. Mm-hmm. Red Two will be good. I don't know if "excited" is the right word for it, but it, it's it's you know compared to some of the other films that you're really waiting for. I don't know if Red Two is at least for me in that that kind of. Uh, Aren't you excited for Girl Most Likely? Uh, no. I haven't even seen anything on that. One. I haven't either. Well, you gotta remember, it's like three months away. Then three the week away. after that, which is the 26th, we have the Wolverine. Wolverine. Which an entire movie about a small furry animal. <laughs> the, oh, it's the comic book character. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it's no, you had it right. It was it's the animal. Wolverine. Wouldn't that be amazing if, they, if like the like in a couple of theaters they they switch the prints and it's just like a documentary on actual wolverines. Would, I I think I'll just the wolverine comes out it. of its burrow to attempt to eat you know grubs. Or would it be like a honey badger, honey badger and have like a that would have been a perfect day for fools. The Wolverine opens early. Well, no, two they, and a half months early. Three and a half months early. And they still market it as 
the Wolverine from the X Men. Like that's what I mean. You're telling they, people yeah, that they're, they're gonna go see the Wolverine and then they that'd be fantastic. See, they see the Wolverine, the actual Wolverine. It's I just actually, a picture uh, of a Wolverine uh, on the screen for like two hours. Just throw a live Wolverine in the theater. Yeah, it's probably Millhouse. Um, <laughs> the, the despite Wolverine Origins not being yes. very good. Uh, I'm excited for this film. I, I think it's going to be good. I, I think, think it's going to be good. They've said that uh, they liked it in the second one because you can get rid of all the exposition and all the backstory and all the other crap, mm-hmm. and they could just go let Wolverine be Wolverine. And I really like Hugh Jackman. That guy seems awesome. I he does hang he, out with that dude. He, he does seem like a really awesome so, dude to hang out like, with. Just totally ripped as Wolverine. That's why you want to hang out with him. Well, one of the reasons you want to hang out with him is because he's totally ripped. Yep. I want to learn how to get ripped like him. <laughs> sure. That's why you want to hang out. Okay. Yep. Uh, no, I I, I, I'm get, excited. I I'm excited about claws. the Wolverine. Um, the trailers I've seen looked really good. Mm. Silver Samurai. <sighs> That's the only questionable thing because it looked like it, it's supposedly a robot. Mm. And well, I it looks like it's four times as big as he is. I don't mind that. It's weird. I mean, I, I guess if you're, if you're going to go with the robot aspect of it, yeah, he's not going to be four times as big as him if he's just a regular human. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. You know what? Go see it. Enjoy it. Again, like, don't worry about it. That, no, that's true. And I didn't mind the first one too bad. They I were, didn't think it was the worst film ever, but it just I didn't like the production value of it at all. Yeah. Um, I thought it really felt like a lot of it was set piece. It should have been a bigger feeling. It should have felt like a bigger film than, than it was. Hmm. If anything, uh, I liked Wolverine's Secret Origins for Lee Schreiber as Sabretooth. He was incredible. That was amazing. Yes. He was awesome. That's great and casting. that's the only the only problem with it is he's in that that film instead of this film. Like it would have been great <laughs> if the sequel would have been him versus Sabretooth and just just a two hour tour de force of uh Hugh Jackman versus Lee Schreiber would just been just awesome. beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. Just would have been so yeah. So then the thirty first through the second we have Smurfs two and two guns. Two guns. Two yeah, guns. You're, uh, and Cogneys versus Zombies. Cockneys versus zombies. By the time you get to August, you're pretty much in the uh, in the trick. I mean, there's some de- decent films in here. Smurfs two, it, it looks cute. I, Smurfs one wasn't bad. Of course, this is guy from the guy who wants to go see My Little Pony. No, I mean, Smurfs. The Smurfs this is the Smurfs. I mean, it, I was I was overly surprised at how well that movie was. I just know that if I were to see the Smurfs, I would be extremely disappointed because it wouldn't have the classic element of the cartoon, which is that every single episode, they are still building that damn dam. Dam. They yeah. never finish it. It's not maintenance. They are building it. Like, it's a full-on well, construction project. To be fair, they did have it. Gargamel blew it up one time. Or one time. On it. There's 875,000 Smurf episodes. And every single one... <laughs> Let's go work on the dam. There's 101 Smurfs. You only see six of them. You know why? Because the other 94, 95 90, yeah. are sitting there working on this stupid dam every well, single day for the rest of their life. Think about it. There's only one handy, right? So there's only one person that's handy enough. No, that... It's the Smurfs are bees. There's one <laughs> queen, which in this case is a king, and Papa Smurf. And then there's a couple of like... Yeah, yeah. Well, everything the else labor's on just, the Death Star. They're just labor Smurfs that sit up dunk, 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 trying to build that stupid dam in every single What episode. if they have nothing else better to do in the town? But they, just to Figure build out thing. something. Finish the stupid See, dam. Maybe the dam it's is like finished. They just that or do that because they they're building another crime. one. No, they're, they're, organized they're an organized crime organization. So they're using the product. They're, no, they, they continue <laughs> to use the project as a way to, re, to receive money from, from, uh, from civic authorities. 
oh, we could, well, we didn't finish. Sorry, we need a couple more days. And a couple days later, you're like, eh, I need a couple more days. Can you imagine Mobster Smurfs, though? I would see that movie. I, Mobster Smurfs, I think. Why does it feel like there was a monster Smurf? Hey, you see? Huh. Smurf? Uh, okay, so I don't know anything Mobster. about Two Guns. What is Two Guns? Two Guns is Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg uh, as oh, undercover yes. agents. Yeah, that that looks that looks pretty cool. Dude, Denzel Washington's in it. And Mark Denzel Wahlberg. Was, yeah. Hey, Denzel. How's yeah. your mother? It's how, good to see you. How's she doing, huh? So What the hell? <laughs> My Mark Wahlberg is from Boston, not... What, what, whatever the hell that was that was it's supposed hard. to be mark Wahlberg. it's hard, it's hard that's not oh you you have to go back to snl last night huh? <laughs> you have to say what was it they when they they were making fun of argo and they uh ben go octacon and hobbit yeah octacon have yad if you go and you see a sax game you guys they play wicked had in the pack wicked had so the, the, August the, the, 7th, the letter H doesn't exist. August uh. August seventh is Percy Jackson the Sea Monsters. It's Next. a follow up to Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief. It's the follow up to Hey, we didn't make as much money as we thought we were going to in this movie. I was shocked to see that there was a sequel. Yeah. But I guess if they made Chronicles of Narnia two then or three. Chronicles of Narnia three wasn't even that, matter of fact that was sold from Disney to, to get made. That Disney didn't even make that one. But Which uh, is because the 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 second film didn't do anything like they thought they were going to and Speaking of Disney, we have Disney Planes, which is their Cars yeah. sister movie, I guess. This movie, it, this was one of those movies where it was going to be in theaters, and then they went back and said, we don't know if it's going to be good enough to be in theaters, so we're going to put it as a directed DVD, and then they went back and said, no, we'll, we'll put it on in August and see if we can't get Apparently some. their focus groups were well Yeah, on those, I guess. We also have Elysium. Ah, that one looks really good. That looks very good. That it's could totally possibly going to be, be good. It's Neil, it's Neil Blomkoff, just like District 9. And it has Matt Damon. Yeah, who, Matt despite Damon. despite saying Matt Damon, is apparently one of my favorite actors because I swear I've seen everything he's been in. Yeah. There was a point well, where I realized like, he was in like nine films in one year, and I realized that I saw all of them. <laughs> I saw Green Zone or whatever. Like People don't even remember he was in that film. I Green saw Zone? Yeah, um, he was playing a uh, he was, was the, the guy searching for um, WMDs in Iraq. Yes, mm. actually, a very good film. I enjoy that film a lot. Oh, he's and a, then we yeah. also have Jodie Foster in this film. Yeah, uh, the film like, uh, it looks good. Don't, no one yeah. really says anything about Jodie Foster. Even though, I have yeah. nothing to say about Jodie Foster. <laughs> no, Jodie Foster has a lot to say. I'm sure she does. She's handed an award. She just kind yeah. of keeps oh, going. Wow, yeah. So, anyways, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a really good film. Yeah, yeah. District 9 was District a really was good film. Amazing. District 9 was amazing because it didn't try to make itself into more than it was. It presented itself as the film that it was. It had right. big ideas, but they didn't get heavy-handed. You're looking at the same thing here. I mean, he's presenting a future that's really kind of effed up, but I don't think he's going to beat you over the head with it. It's going to be, this is the world, and this is how these people react to it. The same thing with District 9. This is the world. There's aliens on Earth. They're in a refugee camp or a, a, a ghetto or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. They're, They're in District, District 9. 9. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. Uh, but it's never – he lets the film play out. It's not a sense of this is where our world's going and this is what we do to each other and, and, and these things that you know audiences can figure out on their own. Well, I hope it doesn't turn into that. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't yeah. think it will be. I mean, it, he's he's he seems really smart and um, – well, I mean that's good. Really and I'm excited and, to see the movie. So yeah, I'm, it, that's that's one of the ones that you get towards the end of the summer that 
I'm glad that's towards the end. You know, that there's still something in August that that I have, mm-hmm. you know, more than a little excitement to go see. Well, there's two. You know, the, the, wrapping it up. You know, Kickass Two is yeah. August sixteenth. Kickass Two isn't something that I'm like, oh my god, I really want to go see that. Like, I liked Kickass, but uh, to me, reading the book first and and the comic is to me is more interesting than the movie ended up being. Mm, sure, because you know it wasn't as as cookie cutter ish. Um, it no. wasn't as as Hollywood. Jim uh, Carrey looked amazing just in the trailer. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be bad. It's just a film that I'm not super excited about. That's not something that I'm saying like I have to go. It's see It's like that film a lot right of now. the ones that we were talking about that we're we're not going to see in the theater. But when it comes out on DVD, you'll probably I'll, check I'll it probably out. I'll probably see Kick Ass Two in the theater. But uh, you know, in Kick Ass Two, it's, it's it. I think August is a great time for that movie. You know, it, you're you're looking at there's nothing really. You know, you got coming out that week. You have what Pandora, the Butler, the To Do List, Paranoia. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yes. You're still doing it wrong. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> and we're gonna skip it because <laughs> I have no idea what the movie is. Anyways, Ain't them bodies, saints. Yes. Okay. Cutie and the Boxer. All right. Prince Avalanche. <laughs> if that's about the Colorado Avalanche, I might go see. Well, maybe not. Well, no. Maybe it's uh, it's about Prince driving an avalanche. No. 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 Huh. Wow. That's for Is Mark Wahlberg in the passenger seat? Do you want to do Prince and Mark Wahlberg talking to each other? That'll be amazing. I don't think I can. (laughs) Prince 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 causing an avalanche. Or Prince buying the avalanche. They they come out the purple rain and they're in. They have purple sequence. So, yeah, that wraps up about. Another week of what are we at now? One one hour and forty five minutes. Wow, we've really gone long. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any other movies this summer that we need to talk about or anything else. So, uh, once again, go ahead and make sure you go check out Chris's review on Star Trek Into Darkness. It's interesting. <laughs> it's more than interesting. And. Ethan just spilled water all over the table, so I'm going to hurry up and end this by saying, go ahead, make sure you uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com backslash nerdables. And follow us on Twitter at Twitter, uh, was it, Nerdables Show. So for Chris and Ethan, I'm Retrain saying live long and prosper. Adios.